I think it's never a bad time to remind people that when the talking stops, that's when the fighting starts. That's a quote from John Hamm. And boy, does that quote have a multifaceted application as it relates to talking about this film, which we are going to do right now. All right, so look, Beirut. I went into this with a much uh, different perspective based on the trailer than I realized once I started to look into this movie. So I just watched it, and um, I'm going to come right out of the gate and say that I think this is a good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I like tense negotiations with high stakes. I think that there are a lot of things that you have to get right if you want to make that compelling, if you want to make that something that people get interested in and feel the tension on. It's not a physical uh, action. It's not a physical drama. Yes, there are physical consequences possibly, but that's not the thrust of the film. Now, sadly, I found myself mired in the outrage that was sparked by this film. And I think I'm going to spend some time talking about this. And if, and if this is your first time listening to me, Dean of LSG Media, then you're probably going to learn a lot about me that you probably didn't expect to this brief into uh, the Real Quick podcast. Because by and large, I don't subscribe to outrage culture much. I don't give it much credence. Um, I don't allow myself to be uh, pulled into all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I was reading a couple of different articles, uh, articles that were pro Beirut articles that were anti Beirut, the movie, not the city. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny that we can't, you, you can't even make a movie anymore or, or you can't make a movie without backlash. If that movie is going to take place in a foreign place, during a time where that particular place was ravaged by war and have people in it, white people, uh, that are part of the protagonist groups that are present um, and and not get a massive backlash. So um, I'm realizing as I read about this film, after watching this film, like I said, I think it's a fine film. I mean, it's not groundbreaking or anything, but I will say the acting is really superb. You know, we've got... We've got two solid films out of the last three I've covered that have had ex- excellent acting. Um, of course, Hereditary had great acting, and now I think Beirut has great acting. But my point here is that, you know, I say I don't like to get embroiled in these things, but I'm about to be because I'm going to talk about this movie a lot from the perspective as it relates to this outrage about the movie. Now, is it possible that the movie's tagline during the trailer wasn't particularly good or perhaps used a broad stroke to paint a very particular area that made people pissed off, I guess. So here's the, here's the quote that pissed people off about this particular movie. Here's the, the tagline, and I believe it's spoken by Ham's character in the trailer. 2,000 years of revenge, vendetta, murder. Welcome to Beirut. Now, that went viral, I guess, uh, I didn't know this because I didn't really pay much attention to this movie when it was coming out. But um, it was a trailer watched 5 million times. This according to the New York Times article uh, that talks all about this movie. 
by Sopin Deb or Deb Sopin. I don't know if I'm saying that backwards and they just have it listed that way. Um, which says Beirut trailer was supposed to thrill. Instead, it offended. So, of course, I cannot say I'm surprised that this is something that offended people. Now, you know, it's, it's weird, man. It's weird that we give people so much power over the things. We, we give people so, many, so much power over us with their words, and I just, I just don't understand that. You know, it's weird. I'm sitting here, I'm recording this on 9-11, and I just think about that. I think about, you know, all these posts go up on Facebook about 9-11, all these memorial posts, which is fine, man. I'm not, I'm not here to tell people how to grieve or how to remember or how to reflect on a, a tragedy that struck uh, the United States. I'm not, and by extension, the whole world. Uh, I'm not here to, uh, to tell you how to or not to grieve. But, you know, one of the things I always think about when I think back on that, uh, and then we'll get back to the trailer, is I think back on how galvanized the United States were as a people, right? People were saying hi to each other. Uh, people were looking out for one another. People were, were, were aware of each other, engaging each other with, with, with eye contact and nodding curtly, uh, just or curtly but respectfully to one another. Um, I, I noticed this trend. And was there some idiots too? Was there some racist fuckheads who were going after Muslim people and sometimes not even Muslim people uh, because they were the wrong uh, brown because they wanted to uh, get revenge for what happened in 9-11? Sure. Do people like that just exist in the world? Of course. Do they exist like that in every country? 100 fucking percent. There's idiots and assholes in every country. And the United States is never going to be an exception, sadly. I don't think. And maybe that's just me being pessimistic. But my point was, that's something I used to think about. And I think, you know, the opening of this movie, this, this, this opening quote that I hit you with, that John Hamm says in one of his interviews, which is, I think it's never a bad time for my people that when the talking stops, that's when the fighting starts. That's so true today. It's, it's so true today, 9-11, 2018. And you can see it with everything. And in, in, it's the thrust of this movie. This movie is about negotiating for the life and release of somebody captured because the person that captured them wants their brother back who was incarcerated. So that's the point. The point is we're here to talk. The movie doesn't really cast moral judgment. I, I didn't think. I never got the impression that it was saying, oh, the brown people are all bad, or oh, the Lebanese people are all bad, or oh, the PLO are this, or oh, the... I never got that impression whatsoever. In fact, some of the scummiest people in this movie, spoiler alert, are the Americans, and the Americans in the government because of what they're trying to do and what they're, and what they're willing to sacrifice. And that's something that we see in this movie. But no, you know, it's like the trailer comes out and everybody gets pissed off. And maybe there's reason to be. Maybe they're worried. But I say stop allowing people to have so much control over you with their fucking words, man. I, I just don't understand that. I don't understand, you know, I don't understand how people are maximally mad all the time about anything. And that goes back to something else that was said in this, uh, this article this, that was written by, uh, written on the star. I don't know anything about this magazine, just so you know. It's a Canadian press. Victoria Ahern, I guess, wrote it. Um, and there's a lot of quotes from John Hammond here. And he, one of the things he says is like, you know, if we're always at 10, how do we ever like figure out what's, what's truly outrageous or, or worth being outraged about? 
and what really isn't. Like, you know, a film trailer that's used to be evocative enough to get you to go see it. Or in this case, create viral marketing for it because you get pissed off and then the, the, the trailer's watched five million times and the movie gets all this juice that if you hate it so much, they'd stop creating the juice around the movie. But I digress. And I say that because it's, it's just impossible. You know, I, I had no idea. And you'll know. Go back and listen to uh, The Neon Demon. I watched the trailer. I talk about my expectations for this movie. I didn't mention any of the other stuff around it because I didn't know it existed until I watched it and then decided to read a couple of articles about it, which were immediately, which were immediately, it was all over it or it was, hey, back the fuck off. But it was a fight almost immediately. And, you know, it's weird that we go to, people, people default to Hollywood for their, morality. I mean, that's so weird. Or their judgment of their culture. If you have an ancient and rich culture, what the fuck do you care what Hollywood says about it? You know it's awesome. You know it's cool. You know it's nuanced like any culture is. Every culture has had good and bad things happen. All of them. And they've all perpetuated good and bad things, some worse than others. And that's just the reality. If, if they're setting a movie in this backdrop, if they're setting a movie in this backdrop, which is they want to create tension, they want it to be dangerous, and they're going to film the movie in Morocco, by the way, which also pissed people off. They filmed it in Morocco, not in Lebanon. But if you listen to the guy's reasoning, if you listen to the director's reasoning behind this, it makes sense. Lebanon's all built up, and it's a much different place than it was during the Civil War, okay? So it would be hard to say, here's this city, that's nice, and it looks beautiful, and now we got to do all this extra work, and I guess there were some insurance issues as well. So they went to Morocco, which is a pretty common place to film things, I, I guess. But that's the other thing. You know, we don't know what it takes to make a movie, do we? I certainly don't. I podcast about movies, and I couldn't tell you the first thing about making movies other than the shit I've read. I've never been on a giant movie set. I've never talked directly to a director with a multi-million dollar budget. You know, I've talked to some smaller directors before. And I've never talked to anybody making a feature film on what it takes to get insurance, to get the particular actors you're looking for, to go through a certain guild, to worry about making sure that person is insured, to worry about the ordinances of the city, to film the movie, to do all this stuff in. I just assume that they're making a decision to film something where they are because that's what they want to do, because it's the path of least resistance for them. Because they're not telling a story that's designed to do anything other than focus on the characters that they're focusing on with the backdrop of the Lebanese Civil War. You know, my buddy Mike, he owns a gas station. He's from Lebanon. And him and I have talked quite a bit, and he told me about what it was like to flee that place during that time and how terrifying it was and how concerned he was getting out of there and the safety of it and, and the concern of being killed. I mean, that's a real thing coming from a Lebanese man who lived there, who is now doing very well in the, in the United States, which is awesome. He's fortunate. He worked hard. Not everyone's so lucky, right? And he was telling me it was crazy. It was hell. We had to get out of there. And that's, that's that. That sentence from my friend Mike is exactly where this movie takes place. It's not trying to paint the Lebanese people in a bad light. It's trying to take a dramatic situation 
a setting that they wanted to go for to create a movie that told a story about negotiations and the importance of talking. Because I'll tell you, talking is very important right now. It's very important right now. It's more important than it has ever been before. Because the divides between whatever political ideology you believe in are really wide, wide swaths, and they just keep getting wider. And that's freaky, man. It's freaky when people don't talk. And, you know, I'm looking over this article in the New York Times and, and this person, Lynn, Lynn, uh, Lynn, Ch- Sharifadine. I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing it. Dubai-based editor of Lebanese Descent wrote in an email, I still don't understand why the Middle East is always filmed in sepia and why movie scores use a weird Laili Yaleli chat chant like that's what all Arab music is. Well, Lynn, um, I don't really know what to tell you, but there's reasons why director photography does certain things with a certain shot to evoke a certain mood. There's reasons why a film composer creates a certain style of music that people associate with a certain time and place, right or wrong. That's just the way it is. This isn't a tale about a town in Lebanon, about a Lebanese family in their life and their history and their culture and the food they're eating and the music, right? That's a different movie. That's a movie that's probably being made in Lebanon. At least I hope it is. This is not that. You know, when you think of Star Wars music, that's, that's associated with a certain type of visual look. You, you, when you compose music, you're composing music to evoke a certain feeling in people as it relates to what they're seeing. Right? Nobody said it was Arab music. But it's music that invokes a certain emotional response out of people when they're watching it. Now, you can go after that. You can go after, well, why does that exist? Why, when people hear things like, why do they think of this? Why is it that? Well, that's a whole different conversation you can have, right? That's something entirely different you can think about. But the reality is that it is, it is this, it, it's the reality. That's what people think of. They think of things like this, okay? And as a result of that, that's the music they're going to go for. That's the mood they're going to try to invoke. Sepia tones sets a certain feeling. It sets a certain drabness to it. And if you're filming a war-torn location that's racked by civil war in the 70s, then you're going to, and that's another thing, in the 70s, sepia tone was a thing in the 70s. Look at any picture with a sepia filter, it feels kind of 70s. And if you really saturate it, it looks kind of old west. But that's the way it was shot to evoke certain emotional responses, right? And the film stars an American guy. It stars John Hamm as a guy who's a negotiator. That's what it's about. It's not about, it, it's a, it, it serves as a backdrop. And, and if that's people's problems, then that's, that's unfortunate. But the place serves as a backdrop to what's going on. But I think the real thing is, and when I'm watching this movie, what I'm not doing, and I don't want to speak for all white people, but what I don't do while I'm watching this is go, boy, whew, boy, these Middle Eastern people are fucking nuts. I don't know how they, ugh, they're animals. Jesus, look at them all. They're killing each other. You don't think that for a second. I don't think that for a second watching this movie. I think to myself, 
this is a really fucked up situation in a really bad time in history where people are doing terrible fucking things. In the American Civil War, people did fucking horrible shit. Okay? And if a, and if a filmmaker wants to write about that in another country, good for you. I understand my country's history. I understand that the the, the the terrible transgressions against our fellow man that were committed as a result of the Civil War and the, atroci- and the atrocities therein. And I understand all that. I'm probably not going to take the social media to bash you about it, right? If you make a movie about American, if, you, if you're making a movie in some other country about how American bombers are destroying or drones are blowing up a fucking wedding, yeah, man, it fucking sucks. I get it. I'm not going to let it ruin my I'm, I'm not going to let it affect me personally as as feeling like I'm a piece of shit and that some film company in another country is going to dictate the way I feel. No. You just have to be realistic about your country's history. Right? The Civil War in the United States was a fucking mess. People did horrible shit to one another. They murdered kids. I mean, they did. They burned. They raped. They pillaged. It was bad. Because we're all fucking monkeys. All of us. It doesn't matter what culture you're from. You're a fucking monkey too. Okay? We're these chimps with these weird hierarchies and we have bigger and better brains. So we got better and more interesting ways to kill and murder each other and to fucking oppress each other and all this shit. And that's just the way it is with certain cultures in certain time periods. I don't think of Lebanon as a terrible place because of this movie. I know people from Lebanon. Only a couple, but I do. And they're fine people. I didn't watch Beirut and think, God, whew, I'm not going to talk to Mike anymore. I'm definitely not going to go get my inspection sticker from his gas station. Fuck. And I definitely don't want him playing racquetball with my uncle anymore. I don't want that because I've seen Beirut and I know what his people are like. No, I know what some of the people were like in the middle of that. I know that Mike is a different guy. Okay? And the fact that the movie wants to portray something with a backdrop of a tense thing to ratchet up the stakes of their film. That's just what they're going to do. Right? 2,000 years of revenge, vendetta, murder, welcome to be brute. Yeah, probably not the most sensitive thing you could have written. And look, I'm not here to suggest that if people are angry, that they're wrong. Okay? I don't, I am not the should police. I'm not a should police officer. I don't think you should feel or not feel a certain way about anything. But what I do think is that it's important to consider critical thinking and not just an emotional, visceral response and about going right to 10 and making clickbait article because you want to show that you're outraged because you want everyone to know that this will not stand and that you're doing something about it. I mean, are people so incapable of affecting their day-to-day life that they have to resort to these tactics? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think it's unique to the time. I just think it's different as a result of the time. But I can assure you this. When I see Mike tomorrow, I'm going to say, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Awesome. Good to see you. And this fucking movie ain't going to change my mind about that. And he's got family over there still. He still visits over there. Do I think he's dodging bullets and ducking behind barrel fires? No, I don't think that at all. Do I think that was a possibility in 1972 when he was getting out of the Civil War? Yes, I do. And yes, he was. His words. Everybody just needs to fucking relax a minute and talk. Just 
everybody be cool and just talk a little bit more. That's all. We can't wait for fucking planes to fly and skyscrapers to feel like we're one person, one, one people again, and we're going to talk and be respectful, right? That's not to say that, that, that's, that, that the terrible events of 9-11 are, the re, are, are good because it galvanizes people. Of course, I'm not saying that. My point is, let's not wait for terrible things to happen to start talking to each other now and again. That's all. I'm not saying you're wrong if you feel triggered. I'm just saying, consider it many different ways, not just your way. Get out of your own fucking head for a second. That's all. Now, that said, I've got about 10 minutes left to talk about this movie. And I kind of had this plan by design. Because... This is a movie that I'm clearly not going to spoil at this point. I'm going to spoil it a little bit. His friend gets kidnapped. That's important. And uh, this little boy that's in the movie is responsible for it when we do a flash forward 10 minutes in, 10, 10 years into the future, right? Movie opens in the 70s. And then uh, after the enticing incident, we come back 10 years later and we go from there. So there is going to be spoilers there. I'm not going to spoil the ending or if he gets the guy out or how the negotiations can conclude or any of that stuff. I'm not going to do that. But I will say this. I dug this movie. I think the acting is great. John Hamm is a great actor. And I am sad to say, my John Hamm catalog is not extensive. I am not a Madman watcher, and it's not because I don't want to watch Madman. Madman, excuse me. Madman? <laughs> Madman. I have not watched Madman. I should watch Madman. I think I've seen the first couple episodes, which were interesting. Um, I was probably in the middle of moving. I was in the middle of many different things. You know, certain shows that came out in certain times, I just missed because I was very busy and not doing a podcast at the time. So I didn't have time for shows. Okay. Now I do. I'd like to go back and try to, and try to maybe power through at least the first season of Mad Men. That's what I've been trying to do. Go through the first seasons of things. I had, I'd never seen Ray Donovan. So I watched the first season of Ray Donovan. Really cool show, by the way, at least the first season was. Um, and I feel like I want to do the same with Mad Men, just so I can get a feeling for what people are talking about. But I will say this, Mad Men aside, John Hamm as negotiator Mason Skiles is excellent. The cast is very, very good. Of course, Rosamund Pike as Sandy Crowder was excellent. She's the CIA operative in the film. And then here's an actor. There's, there's two actors in this movie that remind people that both of these actors are awesome and both of these actors deserve to get more roles as far as I'm concerned. And that's Dean Norris, live fire exercise, right? That's him from Starship Troopers, Dean Norris. Um, I think he's also in, uh, what the hell is that movie? Uh, the, the TV, Stephen King, they're all in the bubble. Dome, the Dome, I think he's in that. Um, and then of course, Shay Wiggum, I think is how you say it. Shay Wiggum is excellent. I Here's what I love about Shay Wiggum. I feel like he can play a good guy. I feel like he can play a bad guy. I feel like Shay Wiggum has a very classic kind of Hollywood look to him, but you can also dirty him up a little bit too. This guy is a kick-ass actor. He's one of those underrated actors that I've really gravitated to as a result of watching this movie. And sometimes I just forget about him for no reason. And then when he comes up again, I go, God, Shea Wiggum is so good. 
And I know he was in Boardwalk Empire. I watched a season of that as well. And he was great in that. And I think he's excellent. If I was to cast a movie, I would put Shea Wiggum in it somehow. I'd figure out a way to get him in there. And, um, and Dean Norris, both. So you got Rosamund Pike, Dean Norris, Shea Wiggum, and uh, John Hamm. So those, that's your American contingent. Uh, and then you have some of the other characters who were also really good. Um, you had Kareem, played by Adir Shender. I really liked this guy. So Kareem, that's, that's adult Kareem, by the way, not kid Kareem, if, if, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm looking at his picture now. Born in 1987, he's from France. Um, he's an actor known for Caron, Barut, Occidental, Sifo Bayo. Uh, this guy, this guy was really good. He played, uh, he played um, Kareem, which is the person on the other side of the negotiating table that that John Hamm, i.e., Mason, has to deal with. And they have a an interesting point of drama in this film that I didn't anticipate from the trailer was Kareem is the thirteen year old boy in the beginning of the movie that is separated from them who they were taking care of. I don't know if they're going to adopt him or something. But anyway, long story short, in the beginning of the film, you have you have Mason and his wife, and they're in this place, and it gets attacked, and his wife gets killed, and then Kareem is sort of swept away. We learn that Kareem has an older brother who is apparently responsible for some of the Munich attacks, so he's bad news. And Kareem seems like a sweet, innocent kid at 13. They don't want him to get mixed up with him. But he ends up getting mixed up with him anyway. And then 10 years later, later, it's actually Kareem that's embroiled in negotiations and the person responsible for kidnapping uh, the, the American dude there, whose name I forget, Riley, Cal Riley. Um, so Cal Riley, by the way, played by Mark Pellegrino. So Cal Riley is taken and Kareem is, is, is wants the release of his brother and and all of this shit. And then there's all the double dealings and some of the backstabbing shit that the American government's doing. Like I said in the beginning of my rant on this movie was they display some of the most abhorrent behavior in the movie, them and uh, the Mossad agent <laughs> that just, you know, does something crazy towards the end of, if not at the end of the movie. And, um, you know, the, 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 a lot of the out, outrage around this was like, oh, the Israelis are always going to be the good guys in the Hollywood and, you know, the white people and blah, blah, blah. And at the end, the American government's kind of scumbags and the Mossad agent is kind of a scumbag. That's just the way the movie goes. But if you go just on the trailer and you don't actually watch the movie, you may jump to conclusions. So without giving the, the, the entire plot away, which is too late now, I just want to say this about this movie. The information, the, diff, the, 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 the negotiation back and forth is fantastic. This is where John Hamm shines. Um, the added tension of talking to Kareem, the, the emotional worry of this that Kareem wears on his face during these uh, negotiations is just so palpable. You just feel so bad for him. And it is a tense movie against a great backdrop. And you know what I like about it? It's a, it's a, it's a political thriller, you would say. It's not a war film. It's not, there's, when things pop off, it doesn't overwhelm. It doesn't, it doesn't take your negotiators, it doesn't take your John Hamm characters and then turn them into action stars, which is fucking awesome. The movie has a very specific vision and it maintains that vision. It sticks to the vision. It 
it makes it it ensures that it stays committed to the premise it puts forward at the beginning of this movie, which is how important it is to talk to one another, how important negotiation is, how tense and how high the stakes can be in negotiation, especially when hostages get involved. And when things do get a little crazy, it doesn't devolve into action set pieces that are just overwhelming. They're brief, they don't overtake the movie, and you still have what I like to call a thinking person's political thriller. And that's what I like about the movie. And I highly recommend it. If I want to hit this with my scale and say hated it, didn't like it, liked it, or loved it, I'd say I liked this movie. I did. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was a good time. And that's it. I would recommend watching this movie 100%. So now that I'm done kind of ranting about this movie and not even talking much about the movie, to be perfectly honest with you, I'll just say this. It's enjoyable. The acting is top-notch. If John Hamm is this good in Mad Men, I can totally understand why that show does so well. He's fucking great. And it's awesome to see these other actors, these other peripheral actors. And, and Adir Shender was great, too. Dean Norris, Shea Wiggum, they're, they're all good. It's a well-acted film that seems to have a very tight goal and narrative through line, and they stick to it, and they don't get too crazy. And the plot never gets too convoluted. It's a bit much to talk about in this, to, to lay it all out for you. And, and I don't want to spoil the film anyway. So just check it out. It's worth seeing. You'll be able to follow the plot. And, uh, and I would just say 100% check it out. It's worth watching. And that's that. That's all I'm going to say about this movie, okay? Now, we're going to do something a little bit different for the next episode. This came by way of suggestion from uh, one Brian Campbell, who's almost becoming a de facto producer at this point for the show because he's just had ideas that have been good. And I've had time to read his emails and see what he's talking about. And uh, I think this will probably end up being a shorter episode next week. Um, and I can assure you it will not be eight days between episodes. I, uh, I just got back from New Hampshire. It was my one-year anniversary. So um, me and uh, the wife, the sub-hostess with the Moses, we were away um, in New Hampshire. And it kind of cut into my recording time, as you can imagine it should, if I want to uh, maintain being a husband. So uh, I made sure to, uh, to put some of this stuff on the back burner until then. I didn't tell you guys I should have because I've been releasing them at such a rapid pace. My plan is continue to uh, release one episode a week at the minimum. Um, and usually I'm going to probably try to get to you, get more episodes than that to you. Um, at my normal 40-hour-a-week uh, job, I have some, I'm going to be working some extra time. We got somebody out on vacation in Italy. I'm going to be picking up some extra. So... I don't want to promise anything more than once a week for the foreseeable future, but subscribe to the podcasts. That's your ticket. Subscribe on Android, subscribe on iTunes, whatever type of phone you have, you can subscribe right to this podcast and you'll never miss an episode because you'll be updated when they arrive. So make sure you do that. Now, to get back to Brian Callen's idea, Brian Callen, did I say Brian Callen, the comedian? Brian Campbell. Brian Campbell thinks he's a comedian. Now he's pretty funny, but he's no Brian Callen. So Brian Campbell says, um, he said, why don't you just do this? And he sent me a trailer, and I think I'm going to do it. It's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit off the cuff. But hey, that's the beauty of this show. It's going to be form-fitting, and uh, we're not going to be restricted. We're not going to be restricted by the, uh, what am I trying to say, by the format. We're going to do interesting and fun things. And I think this relates to the Science Fiction Film Podcast. 
So that said, for the next episode, we're going to be watching USS Callister, which is a Black Mirror episode, and I'm looking forward to doing it. It's the fourth series, episode one, directed by Toby Haynes, I believe. Um, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to watch that and talk about it. There's a lot of great themes in that. There is plenty of meat on the bone. In fact, I'll probably not even talk about the episode plot as I haven't been doing at all in this and probably will continue not doing unless it's relevant at points and talk a lot about the ideas of this episode. So let's watch the trailer right now. Lieutenant Cole, welcome aboard. Crew, we have a new member of the team. We meet again, Captain Daly! Retract! Jesus, I... Space Fleet never turns its back on those who need our help. Three cheers for Captain Daly. Hip, hip, hooray! Hooray! Okay, so spoiler, I've already seen this episode, so the trailer has put expectations in my mind, but not really because I've seen it. So I know what to expect out of the USS Callister, which is a great piece of television. I cannot wait to talk to you guys about it, so stay tuned. We will talk to you guys next week. Looking forward to it. And again, visit us on the web, libertygeek.net. That's libertygeek.net. And send your feedback to dean at libertygeek.net. That's dean at libertygeek.net. If you think I'm all wrong about the outrage surrounding this movie, go ahead and email me. Can't promise I'll return your email, but if you make some good points, I'd love to hear them uh, in either camp, whatever you think. And uh, that's it. So thank you guys very much, and we will catch you soon for USS Callister. memory of the first time. I was attending my niece's wedding and was at the sink in the men's room when a wet spot on the front of my trousers caught my eye. An unwelcome contribution from my bladder. Fortunately, I was wearing black and with my jacket buttoned, no one would be the wiser anyway, but for me, I knew it was time to see a urologist. Want to laugh during life's most embarrassing moments? LSG can help. Go to libertystreetgeek.net. Podcasters will give you a reason to wet yourself.